Bokatov. 47th day in the Omer. Oh my gosh, it's almost Shavuos. All right. So today's daf is daf tes, and uh, we pick up in the uh, bottom half of our Chermat Bet, and we're in the middle of discussing the different types of lands that different uh, people who are owed money are entitled to. The person who is damaged gets the best quality, the idis, the balchov, the creditor gets the benunis, middle quality. For ksuva, it's the it's the uh, zivoris, it's the worst quality, and uh, different interesting types of scenarios about what happens if they're sold off, and then. How how that might affect who gets what. Okay, so now we are, um, we pick up in the middle of Chedamud Bet, and I'm a Rava, the line starts with the Rava, it's like a cross from the Tosus Dina, two lines above that, it's about, if I'd have to guess, 20 lines from the bottom of the page. Okay, I'm a Rava. Um, so Ruvain sold all of his fields to Shimon. Now Shimon came and sold one field to Levi. Alright? So we're no longer here dealing with A, B, and C questions, quality of lands. We're dealing with a simple question of who, like, can you collect the land from? Because now Levi comes, um, uh, uh, excuse me, it's not Levi, Ruvain's creditor comes. So Ruvain's creditor comes, and, um, he, who's he going to get the land from? Now, presumably, like you said, they should get it from Ruvain. But as we're going to see in a minute, he can't get it from Ruvain for whatever reason. Ruvain doesn't have any bane on this. Ruvain doesn't have that quality, that, that grade of land that he's entitled to. So he has to get it from Shimon or from Levi. Okay? Can he, Levi, say, no, buddy, you've got to get it from Shimon. I'm the last guy in the line. Okay? Or can the Bachov say, what do I care? I'm, uh, you know, I'm exercising my, uh, you know, my liens. Ruvain doesn't have it, so I'm just going to get the land from wherever it's most convenient, where I care if you're the first purchaser or the second purchaser. So let's see what it says. Okay. Um, if he wants, he can collect from either one, from either Shimon or Levi. From his perspective, the land is, he has a right to exercise his liens, so he has a lien on those lands. What does he care whether he's getting it? And once he's not getting it from Ruvain, you get the idea that you have to go to Ruvain first. Once you're not getting it from Ruvain, what do you care whether it's Shimon or Levi? Okay, so that's the, that's the whole statement of Rafa. Now, it's going to be interesting, and I, I didn't point this out yesterday, but you also saw this yesterday. I don't know if you noticed that some of the uh, passage yesterday was like, seemed to be like a little bit wordy, or a little at least much more um, fully articulated than other passages of Gemara. It was like a lot of straight Aramaic language. So there's an interesting question here about how much some of the stuff we're reading is like, you know, a, like a, a later gloss. So you have this statement of Rava. Now you're going to get a whole big Aramaic passage here. You know, not Hebrew. The statement we just said was basically Hebrew. That's going to very much qualify the parameters in which this is true. That it's Ratzamizegover, Ratzamizegover. So let's take a look. So Amrin, we only said this, El Zezavin Beinunis. If uh, Ruvain sold his grade B land, which is what the Bachov is entitled to. I'm sorry. Um, <coughs> Well, I'm sorry. Um, excuse me. Where Lazy? Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm getting this wrong. Okay, so here we've got Ruvain. He owes money to his Balchov. Okay, Ruvain sells his field to Shimon. All of his fields. One, two, three, whatever. And Shimon sells one field to Lazy. Okay, so he sold field number one to Lazy. Okay, and it says that Ruvain can collect either from Shimon or Lazy. So the Gemara says. The low Amrin, we only said this, El Dezavan Beinunis. 
if this field that Shimon got is a Benoni field, and remember, the Barachov is entitled to Benoniness. Okay? That Levi, did I say Shimon? The field that Levi bought is a Benoniness. Okay? Then the Barachov is entitled to Benoniness. So the Barachov can go either to Shimon or to Levi, if Levi actually has a Benoniness field. Okay? Avozavin Idis Viziboris, but if Levi went ahead and purchased A quality and C quality lands, okay, so then he can say, now why can't Baal say, look buddy, I have a right to B quality, you're more convenient, I'll just take the C quality from you. But I understand that I can't go up and demand the A quality, but you know, Shimon's lands are in an inconvenient place, or he's hard to bring to the basin or whatever, so I'm just going to go to you and take the C quality, I'll go down a level. So no, he can't do that. Um... That's why I made a point of only buying A and C. Because I wanted to make sure that I was not taking the type of land that you as a Baal had rights to. Okay? So it's similar to the idea that you can't go to Shimon before you went to the guy who owes you money himself. And here he's basically saying you can't move on from Shimon. Maybe if it's all equivalent you can't. But if I specifically left you the land that you have your primary liens on, you can't come to me. You can't say, I'm going to go down to grade C. Okay, thank you. But here's the bigger chiddish. Even if he bought B, so he says, okay, you bought B. So, I now have a right to be quality land. Ruben doesn't have anything. I'm going to go to you. Why do I need to go to Shimon? No. Even that, it would only be true if Shimon was not left with any B quality land. If Shimon has only like A and C quality land. Then you can say, my primary lien is on B. You're the guy that has B. I'm coming to you. Okay? Because um, otherwise, you would have been able to say, no, you can't come to me. I left some B quality in the hands of Shimon, and you have to go to Shimon before you go to me. So notice we have just completely undermined what Rava said. Okay? <laughs> at least the shot of what Rava said. Rava says, Ratzamizegove, Ratzamizegove. Which at least minimally would give us the impression that if they both had B quality land, the Baal is entitled to choose who he wants to go to. And what we have said is that's not true. That if they both have B quality land, Lady can say, you got to go to Shimon before going to me. And the only time Rava said, Ratzamizegove, Ratzamizegove, was if the B quality was lazy. So then the Baal could say, I have a right to go to you because my primary lien is on B quality land. Or if I want to, I can also go to Shimon because I'm also entitled to C quality land. Okay? So as opposed to Rava, which really made it say, it's your choice, certainly all things being equal, we're saying that's not true. If they both have B quality, you got to go to Shimon. You don't go to lazy. But if he left also B quality by Shimon, then the Baal cannot go to Levi, the Mati Amrle Levi can say to the Bachov, you know what? I left over B quality in the hand of Shimon, he comes before me. Alright, so basically now what we've said is is that the Baal has to first go to Ruvain. If Ruvain doesn't have, he has to go to the first level purchasers. Not the first portion that bought from Ruvain. If a lot of people bought directly from Ruvain, he has to go to the first level purchasers. And only if none of the first level purchasers have grade B can he move on to the second level purchasers. Okay, that's how we've interpreted what Rava said. Moving on. Amar Baye. 
Ruvain Shemachas said it was Shimon. Now we're going to have uh, sort of different type of an issue. Ruvain sold the field to Shimon. Ba'achrayis, and now we're introducing something we have not introduced now, what I was calling before insurance, loosely calling insurance. What it basically means is, okay, um, Michael comes here and buys the land from me, but he says, Dove, I know you got a lot of outstanding debts, so uh, what's going to happen if somebody's going to come and take that land from the money you owe them? You, I, I insist that when I buy this land from you, that I have a lien against your remainder property, that's the achrayas, a lien against your remainder property, to be reimbursed if that land is ever taken from me in payment for your debts. Okay, that's called bachrayas. So, like, he sort of gets an insurance against that land being taken to pay off my debts, and that actually gives him liens on the remainder of my property. All right, so that's what I did. So I went ahead, Ruben sold fields to Shimon here, bachrayas, and Shimon now has a lien against Ruben's field if that field is ever seized in payment of debt. That's the Bachov to Ruvain. Now Ruvain's creditor, lo and behold, comes along, the Taraf me Shimon, and takes that field from Shimon. So Shimon's now going to turn around and get his money back from Ruvain. So Dinahu, the Azil Ruvain, Umishtai Dina Bahadei, that Ruvain can come. So now, now Jacob there, you know, who is my Bachov, took Michael's field to pay off the money I owe him. I can come to court. And, and, and sort of, and, and protest, or, you know, be a, uh, what's it called? The question that we're dealing with is something that's called in law standing, right? Who has standing to bring a case? Who is entitled to actually be there as a litigant, right? If I, I can't just come say, like, I'm upset about the law about abortion, I'm going to bring a case in front of the Supreme Court. Like, I have to be a, a what's called a baldover, right? It has to be my issue, right? I have to, have, it has to affect me. So here, Michael is, before he comes to me to get payback, he's going to fight against Jacob and try to defend the fact that maybe money isn't owed and Jacob isn't entitled to take the field and so on. I can come to court and I can be on Michael's team and I can also, even though you're not out paying, taking the money from me, you're directly taking it from him, I can go ahead and say, here's why you're not entitled to take that money, here's why I don't really owe you the money and so on. Okay, now that should be like relatively obvious for two reasons. Number one is because Michael's going to come back to me so I am going to be affected by this. And number two actually is he's getting the money from Michael because I owe him the money, you know, but that might, but teams from the Gemara, that wasn't enough. Okay, so Dinahu, the law is, that Reuven can come and, you know, and be a litigant with, against the Balchov to protect, you know, Shimon's field from being seized. And the Balchov can't say to him, Hey, Dove, this isn't any of your business. I'm collecting the field from Michael. You stay out of it. No, Damale, I can say back, um, if you take that field out from, away from Michael, he's going to come back to me to ask to be reimbursed. So of course it affects me. I better come here to defend him. The Igadami and some say, even if I don't, haven't, haven't promised to reimburse Michael, I don't, haven't committed to reimburse Michael, the Amar because I can still say to my creditor, look, legally I won't owe him any money, but he's going to have a complaint against me. It's going to hurt my reputation. I am affected. He's going to be blaming me for this. So just that I'm going to be blamed makes me enough affected. Now, one does wonder, is it also compounded with the fact that the only reason the Baal is going to Shimon is because of the money that I owe him, right? I mean, I don't know if you could imagine another case where it, uh, it was not coming through something that I, you know, that was my obligation. Somebody is just going to... Uh, 
I don't know, you know, come to Michael here because of some other thing and it was based on, I don't know, somehow I'm saying, you know what? If he wins that case, I'm going to look bad. Not because I was involved in that case. It's just people are going to have complaints against me. Does that make me a Baldin? Like, I would question that. Here, there's two things going on. Number one is, is that the reason this Balchov has a case against Michael is because of money I owe him. And I'm not totally out of the picture because actually Michael will blame me for this because it is coming through me. Alright? So I don't think it's just the Tyromas. I think it also has to do with the fact that the case is because of the money that I borrowed. Yes, Jacob. So you just said that if uh, this was a normal case, that um, if I wanted to go collect from Michael, uh, then Michael couldn't go back? If there's no Achrayas, he can't go back. Correct. I know. If there's no, it's essentially like no insurance. No. The sale was a sale. You bought the land knowing that there were liens against it. That's the risk you took. You knew there were liens against it, right? I mean, I don't know. Do people know what the law is in general when you buy land with liens, right? When those liens get exercised, you don't get your money back from the person you bought it from, right? Those are, those are the risks that you assume. You the lien before you can tra- register the transfer. All right. If I have a lien against my land yeah. and you want to buy it from me, I can't sell it to you with the lien? Yeah. You, you have you have to have the per- lien holder yes. agree that the lien's been satisfied. Now that there way there, I'm not a lawyer, but there there ways. So wait, so there this phenomenon does not exist at all in secular law that after a land has been sold, it can be seized in payment of debt once I'm no longer owning it. You you can't sell the land. That's interesting. Oh, okay. Now there are what there are there are there are ways to work around that. Like let's say the lien is the mortgage. Yes. Sometimes the mortgage can be transferred to the new owner along with the lien. Right. But uh, that requires the agreement of the person who made who let the money. So it's money. basically the opposite. It's basically it's it's all it's like it, it automatically it, it usually is that I have to get rid of a lien. But if right. we stipulate, then we can. Right. So it's true. I mean, this is a funny system, right? It's <laughs> a system that basically anybody who buys land that for, from a person who owes money, right, is taking a real like a uh, risk it's that that land he'll lose that man that he's now. And what happens? I mean, there's gemaras that discuss that. I bought a plot of land from you. I now built a high-rise condominium. Somebody's going to come now, you know, 10, 100 years later, 50 years later, and take it from me because of money you owe. So, it's a, yeah, it's a good well, question. Well, well, <laughs> well, that's true. So, anyway, yeah, so, but yes, but, the, but, but within this system, okay, I understand your moral objection to the idea that, you know, I, what do you mean? He didn't owe the money, but that's the risk you're assuming. Right. You're assuming that risk, and you have to factor that in. Right, you have to factor that into the purchase price. Now, right, now, the whole reason that a Christ only exists by a star is because effectively there has to it has to be registered. You know there has to be public knowledge. The problem is just because there's a star, right? So my creditor is holding the star against me. You can't go to any central registry to do a title search to make sure. You know, so it's not really a perfect system. And actually, it's an interesting question which I never actually, for whatever reason, never asked. Which is, if you're about to buy land from me, can you? actually like you know get assurances from me that there are no liens against it I right. assume you could do it but it's not. you could always make a stipulation 
I am buying this on the assumption that there are no liens against this land. If it turns out that there are no liens, then this sale is void. And then you're entitled... Right, right. But, but if you didn't say it, we would say, Dvarim Shebelev Lohavi Dvarim. If you didn't articulate it, we would say, hey, buddy, your responsibility to check for the liens, right? But if you explicitly stipulate that, yes, then you could void the sale and get the money back. But this is... You didn't explicitly stipulate it. It was your responsibility to find out, and those were the risks that you assumed. Yes. So, did you have a question before? No? Okay, yeah. Second law, the responsibility of the lien holder to tell the government to register the lien ah. the land. Uh, which Interesting. Which typically happens when right. a piece of property is bought, a mortgage is put on it, and gets registered. So let me just ask, I don't want to get too much into this, but let me just ask one more question of clarification. What is the point of a lien if I owe money to the bank, right, and the bank has a mortgage on my house or whatever, right? What is the point of having that as a mortgage and a lien rather than that, like, I owe them money, they'll just, and I can't pay, they'll just send the sheriff after me and seize from whatever property of mine they can find. Uh, they what are, is the power does a lien give them more than just... easier to seize secured property I see uh, when there's a lien uh, it, it, I see it just, get, it just gets them like at, like much further along in the process and it, prevent, it prevents me from selling that asset to get out of I the, see I see okay alright moving on all right. Um, okay. Now, the Amar Bai, Bai also said, Ruvain Shemacher said to Shimon Shaloba Achrayas. Ruvain sold his seal to Shimon without Achrayas. So Shimon is not protected against uh, what will happen if it gets seized. Vyatzole um, Iskin. Now, let's say, and this is going to be about, so I went ahead and I sold my field here to, um, to Michael. And, um, as we're going to see, soon after the sale, or right around the time of sale, my title to that field is being challenged. Okay? Now, as we know, you know, sometimes these things get holed up in the court for like, you know, years or decades, right? So, he now realizes that he bought a piece of land that there is going to be, you know, he's going to be in the courts for years and years and years dealing with this issue. But it was after I sold it to him. Can he come back to me and try to say, oh, all right, I want to back out on the sale. Okay? So, Achilo before he's done yet Chazak on that land, he can say, wait, I'm backing out. Once he's done a Chazaka, he can't back out. My time, why? Because I can say to him, which is basically the way of saying, like, you know, buyer beware. A bag filled with knots is what, you know, you bought. You got yourself a, there's got to be an idiomatic expression, but basically it means like, you know, you know, this is, you know, sorry, buddy, that was your risk. This is what you bought. The sale was final. Turns out that there are now this title is being challenged or whatever. You know that that was what you brought upon. That that was what you that you know that that's what you bought. That's your responsibility. Okay. There is an English expression like this: a bag of goods. I think is what I'm thinking of. You know, he sold me a bag of goods. Right? A bill? Is it a bill of goods? He sold me a bill of goods. Okay. Anyway, so here you sold him a bag of goods. I sold you a bag filled with knots. Okay, instead of filled with gold or whatever. But that's what you got. All right. Anyway, the sale is final. Now, Now, when is the chazaka that he can't back out? When he walked around the borders. Now, I want to pause here for a second. Thank you. So, Rashi says the chazaka we're talking about is the classic chazaka of taking possession, and that this is a chazaka of, like, now, normal chazaka, though, is when you actually do something to fix the field. Here, you're just walking around it. So, those are those two things. Number one is, like, first of all, what's the chiddish? That it's, it's the sale is final when the sale is final. We always know that you have to do an act of taking possession. And number two, this isn't the standard definition of chazaka. So Tosa says, we're actually not talking about standard chazaka. This is sort of like 
an idea, Tosu doesn't use these words, but I will, sort of like an idea of a type of a tochidei dibor, a period of time, even after the sale is technically final, that you can still back out if some huge problem emerges within that time. Okay? So therefore, and what is the time until you've had a chance to do a little survey and a walking around of the field? So you already did your chazaka, or you already paid your money, I'll get to the money in a minute, whatever it is. Yeah, that happened. Okay? I sold the field to Michael, you did an all get her a and then within two hours all of a sudden you found out that there's a big challenge to the title of this field oh, since you have not yet done the ritual walking around you're still in this period of time that you can back out if you want it's sort of like now again like when, you're, when you buy a house you have to actually walk around until you have walked around I can just withhold doing that for you yeah I don't know obviously there's probably some limit to that okay but, but I, so I don't know the answer to that but there's a certain period of time that you have that you now it's sort of like what I know somebody I have a relative who did this like he was, saw this house he, he, oh, believe the story. He, was, he was passing by this house he saw a for sale sign he walked in like he, you know he thought this was like this ter- tremendous deal okay whatever they were selling for I don't know was somewhere in, uh, in Brooklyn where I think a million dollars was a tremendous deal anyway whatever it was okay and he like he didn't have time to get it it was before you could take photos or whatever he couldn't get in touch with his wife so right on the spot he like signed the papers and he figured like anyway you have a week or something to before, between the time of signing the papers and doing something, what is it, a title search or a uh, getting an assess or some type of thing you have to do that, if, that, that until that time you actually can back out even if you sold the papers. So I figured I'll get her permission after I've done this and I get to go back out. She wasn't happy, but at the end of the day they got the house. So anyway, I think she was happy in the end. But the point being that you could actually, he was in a position where the sale was final if he wanted it to be final, right? But because certain things hadn't been done yet, he could back out even after he had signed the papers. So that actually, do people know what I'm talking about? What this? Yeah. Take a mortgage. You got the same thing. You got these, all these papers to sign. One of them is that you have whatever two days I think that you can. Right, but that you, but 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 that that's only a one-sided uh, sort of opportunity, right? You have the right to back out; they don't. So this is the same idea. Even after the sale is final, until this extra thing is done, okay, the survey is done or whatever, you, the buyer, can back out if some big problem emerges. That's the way Tosos understands what this what this is. Okay, now the dafka shalob achrayis. Now that the fact that you have only until that time is when he bought it without Achrayas. So he won't be able to get reimbursed. Avubi Achrayas, low. But if he bought it with Achrayas, presumably he can back out even later. Okay? Why? Because he can say, look, if it winds up that this field wasn't yours, they're going to take it from me, I'm going to ask you for the money back. So since I'm anyway going to have a right to ask you for the money back, I want to back out right now. Okay? Now, it's the opposite, actually. Why do you have a right? You will get, you'll be reimbursed. Yeah. Right. Anyway, Tosu says, and this is sort of like your question, Michael, what's the limit of this? One minute. You mean that if I sell a field Bechrayas 20 years later, there's some problem? You can say, now I want to back out because there's a problem and I bought it with a Christ, so you might as well just give me the money now. So Tosu also wants to limit this. He says that this might be limited to cases before you've actually paid for the field. Once you've actually paid, not. Anyway, the Gemara isn't clear about that, okay? But you, if it's with a Christ, since you're entitled to get the money back if it is taken from you, you might be able to have, you have more time to actually back out of the deal. Okay? And the Gemara says, the Igadami, a field of Christ, Nami. No. 
even if it was with a chryas, you do not have more time to back out of the deal than the surveying. Because I can say to Michael now, who wants to back out now that there's been this challenge to the field, you know what, Michael? When you show me that Basin has awarded the field to somebody else and has decided that it wasn't mine, then I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back when the field is taken from you. Until that time, it's your field and you have to now deal with it in court. Okay? So the biggest chiddush here is that even after the purchase of the real estate, if some huge problem emerges, you can back out until, um, until you've done some surveying of the land. Presumably there's a, there's a calendar limit to that as well. Okay, that is the end of a uh, significant digression, a digression that we had around uh, different types of paying up of lands and Balchov and Ksuvah's uh, Isha and different grades of land, etc. Now we are going back about two dapim to the question of the seeming contradiction between, on the one hand, mate of Sadehu, and on the other hand, Kesef Yeshiv Lebalav Afilu Subin. Right? Even it could be like, you know, Bran. So do you have to give the best or can you give anything? And if you remember, the resolution we left with is the best if it's land, if it's chattel, it can be anything. So now we're going to get a nuance on that position. Let's take a look. Eisve Rav Nachman Ravuna. I'm sorry, I skipped the line. Ravuna Amar O Kesef O Metav. Ravuna forgets the Subin story. He says, either land or cash. Okay? So whatever happened to the idea that we said you could pay even in, in, in junk? We'll see that in a minute. But he says, either you're paying land Okay, or if you're not paying land, you gotta pay cash. Okay, exactly. I guess so. Anyway, Eisrei Rav Nachman What do you mean? We said earlier, Yashiv Lerabos Shavak Kesef Hasilu Subin. You should return the money, but return means anything you want to give, even brand, even like the you know the lousy property, whatever, like you know cheap stuff, as long as it is, as we said, chattel. But you're saying you can't pay back Nizikin with anything. You can only pay it back with land or with cash. So he said. That's only if you don't have cash. You first have, if you have land or cash, you've got to give land or cash. If you have neither land or cash, then you give whatever you have. So the Gemara says, If you have nothing else, pita. of course, what else are you going to pay with? It's all you've got. All you've got is paper clips. Now, I might have thought that we can say to the Mazik, No, you, don't, you can't give the guy paper clips. You sell the paper clips and pay him in cash. You're obligated to pay him in cash. That's a reasonable thing to say. Kamash Milan, we don't. If you have nothing else, you can give him whatever you've got. Okay? But if you've got land, it's got to be the best land. And if you've got cash, you've got to give him cash. Amar Vasi. Okay? Now, before we go on. So here, how do we paskin? Right? Here you go, Michael. Hey, we're finding out now we paskin. Before we said it could be, if it's not land, it could be paper clips. And here we're saying land or cash. Okay? So the risk says it's a machlokas, and we paskin like the earlier position. We actually paskin that it can be paper clips, even lechatchila, even if you're not doing, uh, if you're not doing land. Okay? But if you look at Tosvos, Tosvos says the following. Um, Tosvos says, um, so it says, Rabbeinu Tam, it's like seven lines before the lines get wide, Tosus Rav Huna Amar, he says, and this is important, we, we, we discussed this issue earlier, Rabbeinu Tam ain't sober king. He doesn't agree to the riff that we pass in Lechatchilo, you can give the guy paper clips by Nezikin. To Mefarish, Gimel Dinim B'Nezikin. There are three categories when it comes, um, excuse me, Gimel Dinim, there are three categories when it comes to paying up debts. B'Nezikin, if it's damages, 
O Kesef O Metav. We pass them like this Gemara. Either the best land or cash. And only if you don't have top quality land or cash do you give what you have. Okay? But the, but the first level is top quality land or cash. The lay slave, you don't have those, then a few assume and then whatever you've got. Ubalchov, if you owe money, that if you have money, I can, you, the Balchov can't tell me, take the land. No. If you've got cash, you've got to pay me cash. Even Metav, you can't have me take. I gave you cash. You have to give me back cash if you have cash available. Okay, Kinamuchov back Kosev. Gabi Yehud told him also, Benachi Havei, the Leisle Zuze, Lo Yomalaz Yiltarch Vizavin Vaisi Zuze. But if the debtor does not have cash, I can't force him to sell his property and to, and, and to give me cash. He can just give me whatever he's got. Kinamar Hassam, etc., etc. Upoel, end of the second wide line. Ileisle Labala Bai Zuze, if Amale Yiltarch Vizavin. The icy Zuse. Okay, if I, who hired the worker, if I don't have cash, I can't give the worker anything I've got. I have the responsibility of raising the cash and paying my workers in cash. Okay? Because I can't say to him, I said, you know what, you've been working all day on making shoes. Here I've got a shoe factory. I'm a little short on cash. Why not just take home a hundred pairs of shoes? Okay? <laughs> so that would be the halacha, right? Everybody else, if they don't have cash, they can pay with what they've got. But a worker, you can't pay with what you've got. A worker, you have to pay cash. So it's very interesting. For an Ezekin, top level land or cash, but yeved, whatever you've got. For Bachov, cash is the lechatchila, but yeved, whatever you've got. And for a worker, it absolutely has to be cash. Okay? So, move it. so that's very interesting to know the different levels of responsibilities and different types of payments. Back to the Gemara. Um, I'm a Ravasi. Said Ravasi. Cash, money, is like land. For what purpose is Ravasi saying that? If it's to tell you, what we just said before, either, either top-level land or cash, if you do damages, so that's Ravuna. So just say, you know, why did you reframe it in this funny way? Land is like cash. Or cash is like land. Um, so this is going to be similar to some of the issues we were talking about before. Two brothers divided in the state. One took the cash and one took the land. And then a creditor of their fathers come and took the land because the creditor of the fathers didn't have access to the cash. He only had liens on the land. Once the person is the the, the borrower is dead or whoever the mazik is dead, okay, um, he can he cannot get the, the the cash or the chattel. He can only get the land. So he went and he took the land from the son that took the land. The other high, the son who took the land goes the shakil pogo bixafin bahadei, and he goes to his other brother and says, "Give me back half of the." Give me half the cash, okay? Yes, he took the land, but it was the land paying up for our father's debt. So I'm entitled to still half of the remainder of the estate. So give me your ha- give me half of what you took in the cash, okay? So Pshita, obviously that's true. Hi, brother. Hi, lad, brother. This one is the son, and the other one isn't the son. They're both sons. They're both entitled to the to the estate. The land that was seized was seized because of their father's debt, which means it really came from the state in the entirety. So of course they should split what's left, okay? So that. That's interesting. So the Gemara first says it's Pshita. Then the Gemara is going to say it's not Pshita, it's actually not true. Ikadami's son say, Azaraba, Lidochisa. No, don't say it's Pshita. Say it's the opposite is true. This doesn't make sense. You're not entitled to half the cash back. 
The Amr lay because the guy who took the cash could say, That's why I agreed to take the cash. By taking cash, I took a risk and I had a benefit. What was the risk I took by taking the cash? The nignavi, um, if cash is more easily stolen than land. So by taking cash, I risked it being stolen. And I uh, implicitly agreed that if something happened to that money, I would not ask you to reimburse me. That was the risk, I assumed. But by you choosing to take the land, you assumed the risk. What was the risk you assumed? The mitrafa, that if that land is seized by a debt, I won't have to pay you. You came from anything from my property. So that's a really good question. What's the halacha? We have two opposite opinions. We'll get back to it in a minute. But we still don't know what the halacha is about cash is like land. Either it's obvious or it's not true. Okay. Ella, l'shnei achim shechioku, two brothers um, divided their estate. With, they both took land. And one took one of the pieces of property. He could have easily have taken the other one. He just took one. Okay. In that case, so the point, so now what would that mean that cash is like land? That the guy whose property wasn't taken has to pay his brother, you know, either back the land or pay, you know, half of the land that he took or give his brother cash for the value of the land. Because in this case, you can't say, these are the risks I assume, those are the risks you assume. We both took land, so we both, nobody was assuming any special risks. So if anyone's lands are taken, obviously now we're, everybody's entitled to do a redistribution, right? Because it ultimately it was taken on the basis of the debt of the estate. All right? So the Gemara says, Ravasi already said this once. The Itmar was taught. Brothers divided all land at this stage. And the creditor came and seized one of the pieces of property. Okay? Rav says, okay, you got to do, that came off essentially from the top of the estate. So now we have to uh, do a whole redistribution of the property. Um, again, whether it's technically a redistribution or every all the remaining brothers will chip in and reimburse the guy. But basically, it came up from the top of the estate and everybody's entitled back to having an equal portion. So Shmuel Amber Viter. Shmuel says, no, you lost it. You know, this guy lost whatever he... Viter um, literally means like he's uh, he's mevater. He's like, he's, you know, he's like giving up on his rights. Uh, but anyway, he lost out. No, actually, he has to be reimbursed. So if there's one brother, but rather than the brother, everybody took a $100 plot of land. One guy's plot was taken. So the other guy, brother gives him back $50. But how does he give him $50? He gives him $50, half of his plot, a quarter, $25 in cash, and $25 in land. That's very interesting. So let's see what this is about. Um Kasavar, he is of the opinion, even after they've divided, essentially they still vis-a-vis the land have a status of heirs. So when property is taken, it's taken like it's taken from the estate. It's taken like it was taken pre-division. Okay, they're still fundamentally like heirs vis-a-vis the land, and therefore they would have to redistribute it. Okay? So it's basically also Machlokas Rabbi Yochanan Rich Lucky said Achim Shachyoko is Lakucho Sayorshin. Okay, no. Once you divide the estate, it's basically like I am buying out your portion in the estate for this, and you're buying out my portion in the estate, you know, for, for the other thing. So we're actually, it's not we're still as heirs. We actually have purchased essentially everybody else's portion from what we have given up in the estate. And therefore, since it's a purchase, 
what happens? It's a purchase. Um, uh, but also, it's a purchase without akrayas, without any insurance. So what happens? The brothers divide it up, okay? And somebody comes, the Bachov comes and takes from Shimon. So here the question is, we look at Yaakov, Yaakov is the father, we look at Yaakov's creditor when he's taking from Shimon, not like he's taking from Yaakov's heir, we look at it like he's taking from Yaakov's, from a purchaser. He took it from somebody who purchased the field. Okay? So he purchased it. So why does Shimon now have a right to go to Reuven and have to be reimbursed? Shimon sort of purchased Reuven's portion by giving up whatever he gave up, but he did not, there was no, there was implicitly no achrayas. So whatever Shimon has to give up, right? He can't go back to, oh, Reuven, give me back what I... No, it was essentially sold Shalobach Rias. And therefore he has no right to get reimbursed from Reuven. Okay? Now, Ravas Yamar, Notel Revia Bekarg of Revia Bemos. You get that actually Reuven does have to reimburse. He gives back 25, assuming he goes $100, 25 in cash and 25 in karka. Nesavkele, Ikiyoshim Damu, Ikilukuchos Damu. He doesn't know. Are you like a Yorish or like a Lokeach? Now Rashi says Lokeach would mean a Lokeach Be'achrayas. As opposed to what Shmuel said, Lokeach Shalobachrayas. Okay, so he says, I know, as opposed to Shmuel, I know that Reuven has to reimburse Shimon. Either from the model of Yorshim, it was seized from them as heirs and as the estate, so the estate has to get redistributed, or even if the model is that they purchased from one another, implicitly it was a purchase with Achrayas. So either way, Reuven has to make good for Shimon. Okay, but here's the difference. If it was because of Yorshim, then you would redistribute the Karka. If it was because of Achrayas, Right? If I sell you land and it gets seized from you and you come to me, I pay you not with karka but with cash. And you get it? So clearly I got to reimburse Shimon. I just don't know if I reimburse Shimon with karka because of Yoresh or with cash because of Lokeach Bechrayas. So therefore I do it half and half. Okay? Hilkach nota revia bekarka revia bemos. All right. So anyway, to the degree that we said tsafim harehen kikarka, if it meant anything like these issues of brothers that divide, so either it's obvious or it's not true, or in this case it was already somewhat said that I have to reimburse my brother with both cash and land, and the cash serves somewhat like the land. Ella my harehen kikarka. Fine. So go back to what we said before. What does it mean? Cash is like land. Reunion made of. Like we said before, like, 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 uh, who had said, uh, um, like, like Ravuna said, that when you pay for Nezek, you either pay with cash, or you, you pay with top level land, or with cash, not with paper clips. So then just say, so that's Ravuna. Why did you say it in this funny way? Cash is like land. Don't say it in a fancy new way. Ravuna says cash or land, and Ravasi says the same thing. He's not saying anything different. But in the interim, we had this fascinating discussion of when brothers divide an estate, how much they are, you know, equally responsible for debts of the father that will be seized. Okay. Now, before we end this whole very fascinating discussion about metav and grades of land and all that thing, um, and I think particularly this question here at the end about whether you have to pay back debts in cash or in other types of things, we get to another issue that has to do with money, but other than the fact that it has to do with sort of money, I'm not exactly sure what it's doing in this Gemara, but it's a very important issue, the halacha. So let's take a look. When it comes to doing mitzvahs, it should be up to a third of your net worth. What a third? So my shalish, what does that mean? 
that you have to pay a third of your net worth in order to do a mitzvah. So Rashi says, let's say, look at Rashi. Shlish Beto, top of Yuteramad Bet. Shechayev Adam Levazvez Mitzvah Lulav Utsitzis, or Sefer Torah. Shlish Mashiyeshlo. If I have a mitzvah, I have to spend up to a third of my property. Here's a very important halachic question. In order to not do a negative command, a lotase, right, you have to be willing, if somebody says, I'm going to burn down your house unless you eat this piece of chazer, okay? Unless you uh, say Lashon Hara. Unless you say Lashon Hara, okay? Unless you shave off your payos, uh, you would have to let them burn down your house. You'd have to give up all of your wealth before being over on a lotase. How much, though, to passively not do a mitzvah how much money do I have to spend to do a, to, to do a mitzvah say? Well, that costs too much. I'm just not going to take Lulav and Esther this year. Oh, okay? No, 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 no. Okay, well, that's what's going to be the resolution, but that's not what we're saying right now. Okay, I'm a I'm an ani. I have very little money. To buy a lulav would be basically I'd have to borrow money to buy a lulav. I'd have to use all of my all of my income, all of my money to buy a lulav. How much? To so say, oh, more than a third, you don't have to do right, which is interesting, right? In one way, you could say it's, maybe it's very machmir. You have to spend a third of your income, but also it's so your you, income you, or your net oh, worth? I'm sorry, net worth. Much as basa. Right now we're saying net worth. Okay, so it's mu- it's more makeil than a lotase where you have to be where you where even if you were to lose all your money, you shouldn't transfer grass, but it's still a lot to spend for a mitzvah, right? A third of your net worth. By the way, that's the Chiddush by the Mishnah in Arve Psachim. A few Ani Israel, right, you know, uh, what is it? Um, um, uh, 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 you know, what's the, um, how does it, what's the Mishnah say? Um, yeah, it says he has to do our because I'm just trying to think of the lush. And anyway, no, I eat the save. No, but there's. They shouldn't give him less than four kosos. So, who is that referring to? So, the Rashbam says it's actually referring to the Gabbai Tzedakah. That you shouldn't say, like, hey, this is communal Tzedakah funds. We'll pay for your meal. We're not going to pay for you that four glasses of wine. No, no, no. We have to use Tzedakah funds to give him four glasses of wine. But others say the Chiddush is on the Ani. But even though normally for mitzvos, you're not, uh, you don't have to spend more than a certain amount of money to do mitzvos. On Leil Seder, to show how wealthy and free you are, you have to spend all your money to do these four cups of wine. But anyway, but that's the question. Right? How much do you have to spend? So, if it means a third of your house, meaning a third of your net worth, if you have three mitzvos there to do, you have to give up your whole house? Ella, I'm a Zera, yes? Which isn't technically true because you take a third of the next. Right, you can only do a third of the next. But that's why I think it says if they were all three at the same time, you don't get to say a third of the next. <laughs> okay. Ella, I'm a Zera, Behidr Mitzvah, Ad-Shalish, B'Mitzvah. B'Mitzvah. When it comes to a Hidr Mitzvah, you have to be prepared to spend a third more than you would have spent just to do the Mitzvah itself. So the way Rashi says it is, let's say I see this nice kosher esrog for... $60, okay, how much more should I spend to get not just a kosher esrog, but a mahudar esrog? You should spend a third more. Okay, now the question is, how do you determine your baseline? Meaning Rashi says, you have an esrog in front of you, how much more should I spend and shop around for a nicer one? But let's say, I go into the market and I know I can get barely kosher for $10, they say, chinuch set. it's kosher, but it's a chinuch set. Okay, for $10, or I could get 
nice, but not murder for fifty dollars, like and I can get right, and I get murder for two hundred dollars. Do I start at the ten dollar watermark or do I start at the fifty dollar mark? Not clear. Anyway, yes. Uh, no, I actually asked this question, to Rabbi, once about the movie Ushpishim, yeah. where the guy spends a thousand shekels right. on an intro, right? Which is way more <laughs> right, 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 right. Not exactly kadvalacha. Anyway, okay. Behira mitzvah shlish b'mitzvah. By Ravashi, shlish milagav or shlish milabar. Always the Gemara's math question. Do you finish determine the third from the inside or the outside? Meaning, if it starts at sixty dollars, a third of what I'm the current price is. So, which is twenty dollars, add twenty. Or do I say the amount I spend at the end should have been a third of the total? I should spend thirty dollars more. So then, thir- ninety would be the total in the end, and it would be a third of and as the thirty dollars I added would be a third of ninety. You understand, right? If I have my base, if X is my base, is it thirty-three percent of X, or is it? What would be the other one? Fifty percent of X, right? Okay, that's the question. Okay, so Teku. So we don't know. But Marava Mishmed Rebizera the first third you spend for heater mitzvah is coming out of your pocket. After that, it's coming out of God's pocket. It doesn't mean you could tell the uh, the guy you bought it from get it from God. <laughs> it means God is promising to pay you back for that. Maybe you should okay. spend more anyway. You're right. Right. It's sort of like by Shabbos. You know, spend the money, I'll pay you back for it. Okay. Anyway, what we're left with is an interesting question, which is, how much do I have to spend not just for heater mitzvah, but to do a mitzvah. Right? What is the limit of doing a mitzvah? So, in terms of you know mitzvahs are say. So, if you look at Tosfos, Ilei Mashlish Beso, Tosfos says, "Majmed ain't tarich levazves kol mamono liknos esro gafilu lo yinsa bepachos vavia mitzvahs." Even if you'll totally lose doing the mitzvah, gafilu shlish beso majmed olam chayiv. In the conclusion of the Gemara, vamina nami hamevazves. If you want to squander your money, meaning give away your money for tzedakah, all you vazves yosim. You shouldn't give away more than 20% of your money for tzedakah. There you go, the Ushpizen movie. Oh, Rav Gamliel, look how much money he spent. So clearly, there's a limit how much you have to spend, but Tosas doesn't tell you what the limit is. Okay? Now, a lot of posts can gravitate to the Ayyavazes Yosem Michomesh, but that's still different. There, I'm anyway being, I mean, you could sort of say it both ways. Number one is, I'm anyway being Mekayim, the midst of tzedakah by my first dollar so maybe it's different if I wouldn't be kind of the mitzvah at all maybe I'd have to spend more than a chomish on the other hand you could say that's not telling me I have to spend a chomish that's actually setting a limit don't overspend like you know the whole Christian idea was you know give away all your money to the poor and devote yourself to God of course the poor don't do so well in that situation I mean you know it's better you should continue to earn money and not make yourself poor and keep on giving okay so that's telling me I'm not allowed to give more than a chomish that's not telling me how much I'm obligated to give to not avoid doing a mitzvah and the other question has to do again are we talking about your net worth are we talking about your income so this issue really often posts can quote the idea of a fifth but it's not really fully there are my belief Paskins in Hilchos uh, Lulav I think he Paskins let me see if I can quickly uh, pick it up I think he Paskins that um, it's what do you call it uh, yeah Charlie ask your question I think he Paskins a fifth but yes yes yeah, so in, in the Middle Ages in Europe uh, the num- the huge number of people who were abandoning all their property allegedly for the poor caused huge social problems. Right. Because there are all these poor people, voluntarily poor people running around. Right, and nobody's earning the money. Right. Right. So 
So I think the Ramah paskins here. One minute. This is in Tafresh Nun Vav, in Hilchos, uh, first the Shukhanar Paskins, Hidr Mitzah Ad Shalish. The Ramah says on there, Tafresh Nun Vav in Orchayim, Umishain Lo Etrog, Oshar Mitzvah Veres, Ain Sarch Levaz Vezalein Hon Rav, you don't have to spend an enormous amount of money. So he says like Tosos. You don't have to spend an enormous amount of money. Like we say, by tzedakah you, you don't give more than a fifth. Okay, but how much, but how much do I have to spend? Do I have to spend a fifth? Again, by tzedakah it's an upper limit. It's not a minimum. What? Is it income or wealth? Is it income? Right, is it income or net wealth? What? A fifth can be enormous. Well, that's also true. Right. But, um, right. Meaning, let's say you're a billionaire. Yeah. Do I have to spend a fifth? Right. So anyway, so it's, that's where the Ramah quotes it, but it's never really articulated what that minimum is. And right, the difference about income and wealth is a big issue. But often you hear the number of a fifth thrown around. Okay, let's start the next Mishnah. Now this Mishnah is sort of like a riddle. Okay? I mean, this obviously seems to reflect a, a very... Uh, early Mishnah because it's written in this more archaic language you might remember that the previous Mishnah ended that the basic obligation is that so the phrase was Chav as opposed to Chayav right Chav Hamazik Lishalem and this is going to be Chav Hamazik now what's interesting about that in addition to the word chav which is chayav whatever is it's calling me the mazik even though I didn't do any damage my animals did the damage so let's see what this mission says this mission seems to be a clarification of that anything I'm obligated to watch okay so there's that word chav again um, it is like I have prepared the damage if I am it seems to be what it's saying Raji has two explanations but it seems to be what the thing is if I have an obligation to watch and I'm negligent then it's like I made the damage happen and that seems to phrase remember the question we asked on day one why am I obligated when my property does damage when my animals do damage if it's because it's like I did the damage and it's just sort of strict liability they did it I pay for it or is it because my negligence and, and means that I'm to blame and therefore it's like I, you know and therefore it's because of my negligence that I'm paying and this wish seems to say B if I was obligated to watch it it's like I have pre- made the damage happen it's like I have prepared the damage even if I only sort of prepared some of the damage maybe only a partial negligence I will have to pay for all the damage that occurs we'll see what that means in the Gemara okay now what do I have to pay for only the damages property that there is no me'ila for no misuse of that just meaning it's chulin all of these phrases are very are archaic sort of phrases okay so um, it's a way of saying like chulin or not hectish it doesn't have me'ila Nechasim um Shehin Shel B'nei Brit they're owned by members by members of the tribe okay that's what I have to pay for and Nechasim Ham Yuchadim singled 
or distinguished or whatever, which basically the Gemara is going to say means owned property as opposed to ownerless property, which should be pretty obvious. Who am I going to pay ownerless property to? But Bechol Makom, and I have to pay for it wherever the damage occurs, Chutz, the one place I am free from liability is Mishus HaMiyuchedet Lemazik. If it's my property, you bring your thing into my property and it, it, it gets damaged. I said, like, you know, what, what are you doing in my property without permission? Now, the point being without permission, right? Because normally if I let you into my property with permission, at least in contemporary law, that's when I have the greatest responsibility, right? That's why you buy homeowner's insurance, right? But if you come into my property without permission, I can say, hey, buddy, you know, I am not responsible if you're on my property. Or if it is a jointly owned property, which is interesting. Why should I be exempt on the jointly owned property? You had a right to be there. We'll see in the Gemara. In all those cases, back to the language from the Mishnah, from the first Mishnah, that's the last line of the first Mishnah. Okay, but you see that this is a very like, you know, cryptic, you know, uh, language. It's almost like a riddle. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Tanu Rabbanan. What does it mean that if I sort of like, you know, was, was obligated, then I'm, I'm to blame? Okay? So, sure, ubor, shemosan katan, I gave an ox or a pit to a cherishot or katan to watch, and then damage occurred. Surprise, surprise. I'm chayav l'shalim, because I was to blame. I was, chav, I, was, I was obligated to watch it. I wasn't responsible in the watching. I gave it to a cherishot of a katan. Anything that happens is my fault. Okay? So, masha'in kain b'h. Now we throw in something that's not in the mission at all, and we just make a point that, oh, by the way, if you gave a cherishot of a katan a fire to watch, you're not so responsible. Which is like, what? So let's take a look. So the Mara says, the Mayaskina, what's the case? The ox was, was tied down and the, and the pit was covered so the thing in its current state was protected and that's why I am um, you know so then so first of all why am I chayah by the cherishot of the katan right presumably because they might actually well we'll see they might ruin what's been done to protect it or whatever but also why is it different than fire what would be the parallel by fire something that's a protected the fire, gachelet. It's like a coal. It's not like a, a live flame. So maishnahacha, maishnahacha. Why in one case am I chayv and in one case I'm pater? Right? If they're both basically protected, either be pater in both or chayv in both. El b'shur mutar bor megulet. Must be that the ox is unbound and the uh, and the pit is exposed, and that's why I'm chayv by the cherishot of a katan. So if that's the case, what's the parallel? The parallel by the fire is shalhevet, a flame. So my why am I exempt by a by a fire? It's an exposed hazard. Why does giving it to a chayr shot to the cotton? I gave him a torch. One or the other. Okay. Well, I mean, whatever. Obviously, it might be a big difference. Um, when is it when you give something to a chayr shot to the cotton? A fire, your putter. You gave him a ember, and the and the shot to the cotton blew it into a flame. In that case, I'm exempt because obviously uh, it was the Kheresh who decided to make it into a flame that wasn't the way I gave it to him. Okay? 
But if you gave him a flame, a live flame, I'm chayiv. My time is a bari because the damage is uh, likely. Okay, so basically, there's w- two ways you could frame the question. At what stage am I putter when I give something to a chayyushar to the katan? What's the likelihood that they'll help or not hurt, or what's the likelihood that they'll make it worse? Okay, but the other question is, why should a fire be different from a shore and a bore? Okay, so let's see what the Gemara's answer is. The Gemara says, um, The ox is bound and the well is sealed. And by the Asia it would be an ember. Why are you chayv in the first case and exempt in the second? Sure, darchelin tuke. Bor, darchelin ture. Because an ox will naturally it will work, you know, it's a live thing and it'll work itself free from its, from its, from its bounds. And, an, and, a, and a well, you know, the cover sometimes will get uncovered. People will step on it or whatever. And therefore, even though it's protected, you need somebody responsible to be watching it and to make sure that it retains its current state. The current state is not stable. No, but an ember. It's like an ember. Okay, embers die out under natural circumstances. Kachelis, come to Shavik place, you just leave it alone. It'll just burn itself out. So one case, if you leave it, one case you could have left unattended. The other case needed to be attended. And if it needed to be attended, having a chayr shed of a cousin doing it is not doing your responsibility. But by a gacheles, it doesn't really need to be attended, so you're exempt. By the way, I explained it the way Rashi did. Tosa says that the shore and the boar are only going to get undone means that the chayrish and the shot of the katan are going to fool around and they're going to make it undone. They're, they're going to leave alone an ember. You know, you don't play with fire. But an ox, oh, that's a, you, know, you like playing with oxen, I guess. <laughs> or whatever. Anyway, Tosa says they make it worse. Okay, Rashi says they just don't make it bad. They just don't do the necessary sort of observing which is needed. But the ember doesn't really need to be observed. That's one way. And we'll just read the last way here. Reb Yochanan the Amar. Reb Yochanan says, "A few musulos shall have nami potter. Even a flame, you're exempt by a chayrushot of a katan. Presumably, he feels that they can be doing a, a reasonable job of protecting it. So if that's true, dechvasei hacha b'shur it's an undone ox and an exposed well. Why by the flame are you exempt? And why are you uh, liable by the ox? Right? So it says, no. In the case by the flame, the reason you're exempt, now this is a very strange idea, and, and you know, the reason you're exempt by the flame is because in the end, if the guy, if the Echerzadokhan takes the torch and they light something with it, so it's true, like you were negligent that you gave them the torch, but at the end of the day, they also, they did something. They actually put the torch against something. So it's funny, you would think that only the act of a bendas would take it away from my act. But it's sort of my negligence, but another human being's act. And that sort of gets you off the hook by the, that. That's a really big chiddush. But by the shore and the boar, they don't go ahead and gore the other person. They don't go ahead and push the other person in the well. So they might be negligent, but, I, but it's all about negligence then. And I am the primary negligent party. 
Okay? So in all cases, I'm negligent, but in the case by the fire, they're the ones who did it. Wait, which is, and it's funny that that... They are, then what are they supposed to do that? It doesn't matter. Either they're not negligent at all, or they're negligent, but it doesn't matter because I was negligent by giving it to them. So in all cases, I have negligence, but the big chiddush is when they act, when they as a conscious human being lit, you know, did something, even if they're not liable, somehow that gets me off the hook. It's a big chiddush. We're going to have a, a later, we will later see the sugya of Rabbi Yochanan Lakish directly. Here we're just referring to it, and then we'll be more able to explore Rabbi Yochanan. But Rabbi Yochanan is a big chiddush. But for us, the point to take away is, the Gemara chose to bring in the issue that Aish is an exception, but the real point of the Mishnah is to focus on my negligence. And that that's really important in framing why are you obligated when your animals do damage. And this mission says, because it's like you did it, because you were negligent. And it emphasizes your negligence is like you were bringing about the damage that was going to occur. Yeah. Since 